KHAN is supported in part by Little Red Hen Bakery, located at 302 G Street in downtown Salida. Little Red Hen specializes in hometown fresh-baked bread, bagels, and treats, all made with organic and local ingredients. A full menu, including the wood-fired oven schedule and daily specials, can be found on their Facebook page at Little Red Hen Salida. K-Hen and Little Red Hen, just two hometown chickens working to keep Salida, Salida. K-Hen is supported in part by Hilltop Broadband. Hilltop Broadband for residential and business wireless internet service. Servicing Salida and Poncha Springs in Chaffee County, as well as areas in Fremont County, Custer County, and more. To experience the Hilltop difference and request new customer information, email info at hilltop-broadband.com or call toll-free 877-783-2889. Welcome, friends, to another edition of On the Rails with me, your host and volunteer conductor, Forrest Whitman. And you can always catch us here at 106.9 or and or on our podcasts and or on iTunes. My goodness, there's so many ways to get into this caboose. So we've we've got two guests this morning in the old caboose. We've got Ed LaScala and we've got Don Shank. And so we invite you guys to wander into the old caboose, get comfortable, sit up there in the angel seat if you want and watch the, watch the, <laughs> watch the landscape go by or come down here and sit next to the ice cooler where we've got some adult beverages for you. So welcome to the Cahan caboose, you guys. Thank and you, Forrest. Um, yes. And Thank Forrest, you. can I break in just for a second? Will you, you can give break me, in. Give me a high sign when you guys are ready to roll back there. Okay. We're ready. Well, uh, now, wait a minute. I'm ready to roll anytime. You All right. That is our engineer. That's Rick White. He's up in that in the in the old coal fired uh, engine up in the front, pulling us down the road. And the road he's pulling us down is what we're going to talk about today. We're talking about the South Fork. This was an old branch of the Denver and Rio Grande Western Railway back in the day. And it went up to uh, Creed and into two or three little mines up of a very rich mines, made a lot of money up up there and pulled it down to the main line, switched it out a little bit uh, down there. And then they head all the way down over um, two or three passes, mountain passes, till they joined the uh, main line. And but we're not going to talk too much about that because partly we're going to talk what, what uh, Ed LaScala is doing, what Ed LaScala is doing is he has set up a new way to reuse those old rails. And he's got some, some what they're probably old railroad flat cars. I'm not sure, but uh, he's got pedals on them. And I'm so excited to do it. They're, Don, don't let us all just brief. Don't go ahead and talk. We'll, we'll, we'll shut up for a minute and listen. <laughs> well, I'd like to welcome all you listeners to the Denver and Rio Grande Railroad. We're happy to call it by that name. That is the original name that dates all the way back to 1870. And this rail line was actually built by General Palmer, General William Jackson Palmer, 
who founded the line and built this in 1883, but it only went as far as Wagon Wheel Gap. Wagon Wheel Gap is the halfway point between South Fork and Creed. Silver hadn't been discovered at that time, but was discovered in 1889 by a gentleman named Nicholas Creed, hence the name of the town. And they extended the railroad up from the gap up to Creed and passenger trains were running all times of day and night and lots of freight at one point, believe it or not, 40% of all the railroad cars for the Denver and Rio Grande were out here in the San Luis Valley to service Creed. It was such an enormous silver boom. Anyhow, the rail uh, was utilized right up until 1985 when the last mine closed. And then it uh, sat dormant and I had a charitable foundation, the Denver and Rio Grande Historical Foundation. And we were able to negotiate with the federal government and the Union Pacific Railroad and purchase the line to save it from being abandoned. So we ran uh, tourist trains on it for seven years. And then due to health reasons and retirements, the line went dormant the last few years. And we were contacted by a wonderful organization called Revolution Rail. And Revolution Rail came in and they have a very interesting business. And I'll turn it over to Ed Lascala, who's one of the principals of the company. Very interesting. Welcome, Ed. Thanks very much for having us. We are so excited to be here in South Fork, Colorado, on these tracks that Don has uh, shared with us. It's, it's really incredible. Let me give you a little background about Revolution Rail, because some of your listeners might not know. And then we'll actually, we can, we can answer questions, talk about the actual, um, the rail bikes. That's the term we use, the rail bikes that we actually run on these tracks. So Revolution Rail, we started in 2017 in a small town called North Creek, New York. North Creek, New York is a town of about 600 full-time residents, and it's located about 30 miles northwest of Lake George in the beautiful Adirondack Mountains of New York State. And when we first started in 2017, our founders, Rob Hart and Michael Dupe, they would run six rail bikes on the Saratoga, the old Saratoga North Creek line. And they would run from north of, from North Creek and north in the direction of the old national lead mine in the town of Tahaz toward Newcomb. A uh, lot of historic, a lot of historic uh, facts and a lot of historic activities happened along those route on those rails. Uh, with the Durants and Teddy Roosevelt, and we could talk for hours about the stories on those rails. So we started there in 2006, in 2017, with about six rail bikes, and we've now grown. We now have approximately 100 rail bikes in five different track locations around the country, and South Fork is our newest and and I think uh, one of our most picturesque runs that we have. Uh, it is it's a, a beautiful track. Currently, we're only using a, a little over three miles of it. So we run a six-mile round trip uh, all along the Rio Grande. We go up through the beautiful Elk Creek Ranch. We go through Masonic Park, and we end up in the Collier Wildlife uh, area uh, where we turn the bikes around for our riders and come back. So it's about an hour and a half tour, 
We have railroad historians that join the trip. Uh, we, we offered many different rides. We just recently offered a ride, a wildflower ride, where we took some, uh, some uh, wildflower enthusiasts up the track and we had two wonderful ladies uh, that identified many of the plants uh, and some of their medicinal uses as well. So it was a, it was a great trip. It's, it's a beautiful ride here at South Fork. Boy, we're excited to hear this, that wildflower. Now, as you were going along, did you actually stop, uh, get off your rail bike, as I'm learning to call it, and walk over and look at the plants? Yes. Um, Ruth Ann Johnson from the Rio Grande Country Club, she, she was hosting the trip. And normally our trips take about an hour and a half. But because we stopped so many times to identify the wildflowers along the trip, the trip took about two hours for the whole uh -huh. for the whole journey. It was it was quite an adventure, and we're doing a fall foliage trip with the country club in the next few weeks as well, also hosted by Ruthann. Um, Forrest, let me talk to you about the bikes themselves, so that everybody's familiar with what we're talking. Right, because I had envisioned the old flat cars that when I worked on the railroad, we put our equipment on and you know, it would go along, but this is very different, you're saying, or nothing like that. Well, we do have wheels, and they, they, well, they, wheels, do look yeah. like, they do look like railroad car wheels, no question about it. Um, several years ago, prior to 2017, um, Rob Hart, which is one of our two co-founders, as I mentioned, took a trip out to Asia, and out there, he discovered how popular rail biking was, and basically, what we what he brought back from that was an idea to build two and four passenger bikes. Each has four wheels. Each has um, either two seats or four seats. Each bike has a brake. Um, each bike has a basket in the back for you to bring uh, any equipment that you might want or uh, beverages or lunch. Um, and these the bikes are made out of all aircraft aluminum. Uh, they are all the bikes are tooled and machined in Burlington, Vermont. We then assemble the bikes ourselves up in North Creek, New York, in the Adirondacks. Um, and then we bring the bikes to our various locations. The bikes weigh a two person bike or what we call a tandem weighs approximately 175 pounds and a four person bike, which we call a quad weighs about 225 pounds. Our bikes are the lightest bikes in the industry. Uh, they, are, they are incredibly well engineered. They're long lasting. The, the wheels are a polyurethane blend and all our wheels are our signature orange color. Uh, they are not only lightweight, but they are very quiet on the tracks. So it's, it's particularly in some of our areas where we go through um, more natural environments, it's great because you don't alarm any wildlife. You don't upset the birds. Uh, it's it's a very peaceful and tranquil ride. Um, what else can I tell you about the bikes? Um, they're they're very very easy to use. They're geared so that we've had riders ninety seven years old on these bikes. We've had folks with all different of um, different infirmities on these bikes. For instance, we have. We had a heart transplant patient on the bikes weeks after he got his heart transplant. We have uh, 
we have we had a woman who had Parkinson's disease recently, and she was on the bikes, no problem. Because the beautiful part about it, Forrest, is that you can take grandma, you can take grandpa, you can take their children and their grandchildren on a bike. So you actually can have a multi-generational activity that they can share and memories that they make forever. Uh, It's not often that there's a lot of things that grandma and grandpa can do with their grandchildren and to keep the grandchildren amused and also keep the, the grandparents part of the activity. So the bikes are geared for that. Uh, and they're, they're very easy to ride. They're very comfortable. Um, and the distance that we go, we have our trip here is a little over six miles. We have a track on the Saratoga North Creek. One track goes about eight miles. We have another track that goes a little over six miles. We have another track that goes seven miles. Um, so the, the, the variety is incredible and every trip is a different experience. Yeah. You mind if I chime in here for us? Well, chime in. We got to hear from the head end of this trade. It's on your uh, six mile, let's see, your three mile length of track down there. Is, is it uphill one way? Is it downhill the other? And does that really affect um, the ease of the operation of the uh, rail bike? Rick, the, the bikes, as I said, are geared very, very simply. They're a three-to-one gear ratio. Mm-hmm. Um, the tr- all these tracks have some grade to them. Mm-hmm. Perhaps our, our, our track in Cape May, the old Reading line, which we can talk about, um, has virtually zero grade. Mm-hmm. I would say, Don, what do you, the track here is, is no more than a 1% grade. Right. The, uh, the track all the way from here up to what was known as Wasson, just about a mile and a half below Creed, is 1% or less. So it's an easy ride, not difficult, not taxing. You'll feel it. And those of us that don't get out and get as much exercise as we used to, right, Forrest? Right. You've got <laughs> yeah. it. You've got it, Ed. I've, you can tell we're on an uphill grade, but you know what? If I can do it, anybody can do it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Very good. And Gosh, that's good to hear. And then my other question kind of brings us back to the Salida neighborhood. I, you know, Forrest has a rail group and we've been brainstorming different things. And I sort of wanted to build something like you gentlemen have to run up the Browns Canyon. And uh, that's our new national monument. And, uh, uh, one of the guys of the rail group says, it sounds like something we might get arrested in doing. And yeah, I said, yeah, we should probably do it after dark. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, do, do you get permission to run these things on different runs of track here and there? Well, well, fortunately, I've got Don sitting right next to me, so we have plenty of permission to use his track. That's not a problem. Yeah. Um, but you raise an interesting point, Rick. Um, every time you set up a different route, obviously you have to work very closely with the controlling party who has the track. So for instance, Cape May, New Jersey. In Cape May, we're fortunate to have a wonderful partnership with Tony McCree and the Cape May Seashore Lines. Those are the tracks that used to be the Reading Line. And with our partnership with Cape May Seashore Lines, we're able to run from the Welcome Center in the heart of Cape May, which is about a half a mile 
from the beach in Cape May. And we run two miles out all along the Garrett Family Preserve, which is owned by the Nature Conservancy. It's one of the it's one of the, the most important bird sanctuaries on the East Coast, because mm. that, you may or may not know, but Cape May is often voted the number one birding destination on the East Coast by National Geographic. Oh. It's also the home of the World Series of Birding every year, which a lot of people don't even know. There is a World Series of Birding, but there is. It happens about the second weekend in May each year. So our route goes all the way along those tracks. And those tracks are actually owned by New Jersey Transit to this day. So New Jersey Transit takes those tracks. They lease them to Tony McCree, Cape May Seashore Lines, our partner. And we partner with him to use those tracks. Wow. So that's that's how it's, it works with these uh, with the different controlling entities in in um, North Creek. Uh, we have one beautiful run that heads south from the old depot in North Creek. And Forrest, we should talk about the depot that we run from in North Creek. I, don't yeah, know I was going to say, we've got time. We've got several I don't topics. know if you're, if you're familiar with that, but it's, we, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But the track in North Creek runs all along, again, that's the old Saratoga-North Creek line. That's owned by Warren County. So under a lease agreement with Warren County, we run and we could actually run all the way from North Creek to Corinth. Right now, we run from North Creek south um, to right above Riparius, the old Riverside Station. And then we also run on that same track. We run in Hadley Lake Luzerne. And that's an, an amazing route. And, and so we don't hit Corinth, but right above Corinth, we stop. But that is an amazing route because that route goes over a trestle bridge that's 600 feet long <laughs> and, it's over, wow. and it's over 90 feet off the confluence oh, of the Sakandaga and the Hudson Goodness. River. It is amazing. And we often get riders that are like, I can't go. I don't want to go. I don't, and they'll shut their eyes for the whole trip. So, <laughs> yes. So we work very closely with the controlling parties of this track. Uh, so that we can use it safely. And all these tracks are not being used for freight any longer. Uh, although it's it's funny, I had a woman on our Cape May run not too long ago. We were all getting started and this woman was very nervous about the ride. Her husband had tried to calm her down. But she was very, very nervous around the, uh, on the ride. Um, so we're, we're about to start and we have a signalman there, a gentleman by the name of Al Riggins, who used to run a locomotive on the, on the rail. And he was our, he's our signalman. So he goes out and he throws the, the lights, he throws the bells and we're go, starting to cross the street. And this lady hears the bells and the lights go off. She jumps out of her rail bike seat and tries to get off the ride. And she says, I told you, I knew that there were real trains on this track. So we oh, that's funny. Her, we had to assure her that there were no trains on that track. No trains. No trains. Wow. Oh, that's but, a great story. That well, and then of course, well, I hadn't hoped it. Well, let's do some listener questions. Where we're deep in this, we might as well. Um, uh, one listener question is uh, is pertinent right here. Is it, could the Union Pacific here in uh, Central Colorado ever be convinced to use something like this, or are they dug in on ideas? I don't know. I 
Um, but that is an interesting question because you see that run, goodness sakes, you could run from Pueblo through the, uh, well, through the canyon, all the way to Salida, all the way to Minturn. You could run, you could run over Tennessee Pass if you, if you wanted to. And um, so uh, that's, that's the kind of question I would think that, uh, the kind of question that might, and or Don might even have thought about that. Have you thought about any sure, of that, Don? You know, ironically, excuse me, ironically, Forrest, we had a lady here just the other day with her husband. They were down from Salida, and I believe she was on city council up there. Debbie was her name. Debbie was her name. And Debbie and I spoke at length about putting rail bikes on the old Tennessee Pass line. Yes. Uh, you know, from starting in Parkdale, which is the end of the Royal Gorge Railroad, and then going through Browns Canyon and seeing how far they could go. And of course, this is a situation where you have to get approval from the Union Pacific Railroad. Yep. And historically, UP hasn't allowed anything to take place on the Tennessee Pass line. Can we do a triple A amen to that? Yes. <laughs> we had quite yes. a, we had quite a, well, we've got two other listener questions, but we'll answer those right now. But what your, is, has their, has their attitude softened at all? I, I, I don't know. Are they, they, and was at least, yes, they, they did at the last minute before their hearing in front of the surface transportation board. They at the last minute leased this to an outfit from Louisiana, which, as far as anybody knows, made one promise: namely, we're not going to use it for anything. Uh, anyway, I don't know, Ed, if we're if, but go ahead. What were you about to say? Well, it's been a problem historically for people trying to somehow operate on the Tennessee Pass line. You're familiar with NARCOA. That's the acronym for North American Rail Car Operators Association. They operate speeders, and those are the old track inspection vehicles. They have tried numerous times to get approval to run a, an excursion up there. And unfortunately, Union Pacific wouldn't allow it. It all comes down to liability mm -hmm. and the risk of an injury and the risk of a lawsuit. And that, unfortunately, is the litigious world we live in. But it's a beautiful line that would make an outstanding run through Browns. Oh, yeah. And, you know, sometimes there are those of us in the industry that just don't take no for an answer. So we'll keep chipping away at that. You know, it's funny, when I bought the Creed Branch uh, back in 99, my attorney from Chicago told me, he said, after it was all said and done, Tom said, you know, Don, I gave you a 0.0% chance of pulling this sale off or this purchase. He said, I, I did not think it was going to happen. He said, but... It did. Here we are. Yeah. And, you know, you guys would really enjoy seeing where Ed and I are seated at the moment. We are inside a Pullman Palace car built in 1901 for a gentleman back east named William G. Mather. And Mather was chairman of the board and the founder of Cleveland Cliffs Iron Company. And there is a maritime museum named after him. There's a huge steamship there at the museum. And we're in his private car. Wow. Now, this was built in 1901 by the Pullman Palace Car Company. And what's of particular interest is the fact that who was running Pullman at that time? 
Robert Todd Lincoln, Abe Lincoln's uh, son. Abe Lincoln's son. Wow. Yeah. Now, this car is all original. It was actually in the Henry Ford Museum for 21 years. And we're sitting at the original oak dining room table on the original chairs that the car was built with. And the furniture and furnishings in this car are all original. So it's a piece of rolling history. Yeah. It carried uh, President Taft, number of presidents, senators, governors, as Mr. Mather was quite the political supporter. So the car was utilized a number of times by our elected aficionados. Oh, that's so. Oh, wait, I'm getting some kind of signal from the head end that, 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 that as we used to back in my day, they'd uh, let a little air out and put it back in. You'd say, oh, better pay some attention here. Better. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, we've got we've got some problem at the head end. Uh, uh, Rick, what what's going on up there? Why are you signaling us? Well, it, it's about time for us to stop this train. And there just happens to be some livestock on the track up ahead. Livestock so, on the track. I, yeah, I'm going to bring it to a halt. And uh, I would like to ask your listeners, because I know you've got a bunch of them who are listening at khen.org, the way that you stream for a show. There's a donate button on there, and that money is very wisely spent at KHEN. It takes money to do this. And uh, I encourage your listeners to consider donating to KHEN. That will help get the livestock off there. Yeah, I'll work on that. You think that livestock will? Well, I could tell you a story about that when I was a kid, Brakeman. But we did it take. Oh, we're we're almost out of here. Well, listen, yes, as we, this is, we're only halfway through this interview, folks. So, so come back to us. But uh, this is Ed Lascala. This is Don Shank. Uh, Ed is telling us about this wonderful way you can get on a pedal bike and uh, go at least three miles down along. uh, down along the river there in Southern Colorado, just sounds wonderful. And uh, of course, uh, Don has all the history of uh, attempts to keep get pedal bikes. And we can even get into the big question of rails to trails. I don't know, we wanna do that. We've had some, some interesting discussions here on the show about all these things, all things rail, it's too exciting. All right, are we gonna give a high ball and then take the break? All right, at the sign of three. Now, you guys know how to give a highball, right? Just just lean your head out the window. If it's wintertime, pop a few Zs so that you've got, got, got your flare there. If it's the summertime, just get pull your, your lantern out there and give a great big whoop downward with that. And that's a highball. So at the sound of three, one, two, three, highball. Highball, that was really highball. Let's have another highball there. One, two, three. High ball! High ball! High ball! is sponsored in part by Soulcraft Brewing, Salida's hometown brewery, offering a large selection of traditional and seasonal craft beers. Their spacious patio features cozy fire pit tables for outdoor warmth on chilly days. Fresh food is served daily at the Soul Shack food truck featuring snacks like wings and pretzels, and full meals like sandwiches, burgers, and a delicious brunch on Sunday. Soulcraft is open daily for happy hour, lunch, and dinner. 